Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We are so excited that you joined us for today's message by Senior Pastor Gary Hart from Victory Church in Great Falls, Montana. Our prayer is that today's message will inspire you to join us in changing the world by helping people find and follow Jesus. Now here's Pastor Gary. Well, today we're in uh, the second week of a three-part message series that we've called Winning This Christmas. And uh, if you missed last week, uh, what we're doing is we're taking a look in the Bible at different aspects of the story of the birth of Jesus. And uh, in each of the Gospels uh, where there's uh, a message there, uh, an angel appeared to someone, and uh, that angel always shared the same message with them. The angel said, what? Do not be... What did he say? Uh, what, what, what did he say? There you go. Do not be afraid. And so we thought we would help you win this Christmas by overcoming the spirit of fear. And I sense maybe there is a little bit here today. Are you okay today? Right? You can have a good time? All right. Well, last week we saw the angel and her appearance and the angel's appearance to Mary. And we let the story help us to overcome the spirit of fear of obeying God. And today, if you have your Bibles with you or you have your electronic uh, mobile app, whatever, I want you to turn to Matthew's gospel, chapter number one. And we're going to see the angel appearing to Joseph this week. And uh, how do we overcome the fear of what people think about us? Right? Overcome the fear of how people think about us. So if you have your Bibles, come on. Lift your Bible high. Come on, let's see it. I'm going to do this every week, so you might as well find your Bible. Otherwise, you'll feel bad because you don't have your Bible on Sunday morning, right? Come on, lift them high. Let's say it. Now, don't just, don't just read these words. Come on, say it with conviction. Now, get a little conviction in your life. Come on, let's say it together. Come on. This is my Bible. It's true. I accept everything it has to offer me. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I walk by faith and not by sight. I am what the word says I am. I have what the word says I have. And I can do what the word says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me um, begin today just by getting a little bit of participation in the service. How many of you today would be willing to say that you care often about what people think? Can you just raise up your hand? You care about what people think. Now leave your hand up just for a moment and just kind of look around and see the hands that aren't raised. And the reason they're not raised is because they care too much about what people think. Right? Uh, oftentimes that's the case. The reality is that at one level or another, all of us are very concerned about what other people think about us. Do you like the car I drive? Is it nice enough? Do you like the clothes that I'm wearing? Do you like my hairstyle? Do you think I'm funny? Do I fit in? Do you like my Instagram selfie? If I hold it here, I have two chins. If I hold it here, I've got four chins. Do you like my duck lips? What about my duck lips? What is that? 
What's this duck lip thing? Come on, somebody. Right? Do you, do you like that? And, and, and we have a concern about how people think about us. And in this week's story, we're going to watch Joseph battle with the opinions of other people. When he has to decide between doing what's easy or what others think he should do over what God wants him to do. Also, I want to just give you the context of our our story today because context is very important. And in this particular context, Joseph is engaged to be married to a young teenage virgin girl named Mary. And at this particular time in history, engagements were a lot different than they are today. See, because today, if you're engaged and something goes weird, you just break off the engagement. But in this particular time, back in this time, engagement was actually a binding agreement between a father and the husband-to-be. There would actually be a, a year's engagement where the father would, uh, where the, the, the son would give a dowry for the, the wife's hand in marriage. Then he would go away, and for a year he would build and prepare a home for his future wife, and then he would go and get his wife and bring her to the home. It's kind of cool when you read John chapter 14, uh, the Bible says, Jesus said, I am going away to prepare a place for you so that when I come again, I can take you to be with me so that where I am, you can be also. It's kind of cool, isn't it? So, so we see that, that picture. And during this time, if you were going to break off an engagement, you would actually have to enter into divorce or through death. And even if a person died while engaged, the other person would be considered a widow or a widower. That's how serious engagement was at this time. And so with that in mind, we pick up the story in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse number 18. This is Matthew's version of how the birth of Christ came to be. Matthew 1, 18, he said this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged or engaged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Let's just stop there for a minute. Again, you can just read these scriptures, but but it's better if you, you slow down and you take a moment, not just to read them, to put yourself in their shoes. I mean, what would it be like if you were Mary or you would jo- you were Joseph? Can you imagine the conversation that would happen between Mary and Joseph after the angel appeared to Mary? I mean, you can, you can, you can see Mary sitting her fiancé, Joseph, down and saying, um, 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 Joseph, um, honey bunches, um, I have something I've got to tell you. Um, I'm pregnant, but, but don't, don't worry, don't worry. It's by the Holy Spirit. And can you imagine Joseph's response? Huh. Yeah. What did you just say? Uh, Mary, um, are you all there? Um, how long has it taken you to think up this story? Uh, Mary, why are, why are you spiritualizing this? Come on, why are you giving me this Holy Spirit stuff? After all, I saw that guy and how he was looking at you down by the well. Right? And all of these thoughts are going through Joseph's mind. 
You have to acknowledge that at some point, Joseph is going to be asking himself some very deep questions. Okay, what happens if I stay with this girl? What's everybody going to say? What are they going to think about us if I choose to stay in this? He's probably thinking, this is not who I signed up to marry. This is not at all what I was expecting. From his perspective, he's probably going to be marked for the rest of his life. If he's the guy that got her pregnant, hey, got her pregnant before they were married, right? Or she's pregnant with someone else's child, and now he's having to raise someone else's baby. He's going to find it hard possibly to find a job. People may not trust him any longer because in that culture, that was a sin. So they probably wouldn't want to hire him. If he divorces her, then what other father is ever going to entrust his daughter to her? It's going to be hard to find a life mate to be with. Who's going to believe him? He might even find it difficult in doing business with people in this community. Everybody knew who Joseph was in Nazareth. So he takes his donkey down to get the oil changed. (laughs) And someone says, hey, I'm sorry, but we don't do your type of donkey in this establishment. He's finding it hard because there's all kinds of things that people know about him now. So for sure, we don't know exactly what his state of mind was, but we do know from the text of the scripture that he is really considering bailing on this relationship. He's done. He either doesn't believe her or he doesn't want to take the heat for the relationship. But he's been thinking about it and he's like, okay, maybe it's time that we just go down separate roads. We see this in verse number 19. This is how the story unfolds. But because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, And did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to do what? Say it aloud. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So you see, he's jumping out. He's bailing on the relationship. Now, a lot of the commentaries that I read would would indicate that Joseph's intentions were actually quite noble. He did not want to publicly disgrace her. He he did not want to put her to open shame. And he also knew that the sin of messing around prior to marriage was a a sin that was punishable by death. The chances are good that he probably really loved Mary. And so he did not want her to be disgraced. And so maybe he was thinking, maybe, maybe if we just do this quietly, she can go off somewhere and have the baby where where no one knows about it and then she can just go her way and I can go my way and everything then will be okay. And what he's about to learn is he's about to learn two of the most important lessons that he could learn for those of us who want to honor God with our lives. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, come on, these are great things to write down. If you're taking notes, write this. This is the first thing. The first important principle that we need to learn is this. He's going to learn that pleasing God often means disappointing people. That pleasing God 
often means disappointing people. He's going to learn the powerful truth that if you want to obey God, there will be many times when people will not agree, they will not understand. Because pleasing God means disappointing people. And here's how the story goes down. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. But after Joseph had considered this, in other words, he's thinking through it. Here's the pros, here's the cons, and the cons of staying with her outweigh the pros. So I'm going to break up with her and move on down the road. And after he had considered all this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, son of Joseph, son of David, come on, say it, do not be do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And verse number 21 is so powerful. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus, because he will do what? Everyone, come on, say it out loud. Because he will save his people from their sins. You will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This moment when Joseph wakes from his dream, you have no imagine, you have no, no way of imagining the, the pendulum swing of emotions that are going on inside of Joseph. Just like Mary did last week, you, you can imagine what he's thinking. Wow, for centuries and centuries, it's been prophesied that a Messiah would come. And here the angel of the Lord has told me that I get to be a part of the greatest event in history. And at the same time, the emotions have to swing to the other side. Oh no, what are people going to say about me? What is this going to cost me? On one hand, I could possibly change the world. On the other hand, I have no idea how difficult this is going to be. Everyone, around, everyone else around me is saying, run. Don't marry this girl. Don't ruin your life. She's sinned. She's deserving of death. Don't do this, Joseph. On the other hand, should I please God? Do I care more about what other people think? Or do I care more about what God thinks? And I can promise you, if you're a follower of Jesus, at different points in your life, you're going to be confronted with opportunities to obey God or to do something easier to win the approval of people. Principle number one, is pleasing God often means disappointing people. And principle number two, if you're taking notes, why does this matter so much? Number two, listen carefully, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Let me say it again. I want it to sink in. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. And the reality is, most of us, we drift towards wanting to please people. What do you think of me? Do you like me? Do I fit in? Do I measure up? Am I cool enough? Do you like what I'm doing? Can I be a part of your club? Why can't we be friends? Do you think I'm doing the right thing? And suddenly, without even meaning to, we surrender our lives to the opinions of people at the expense of actually living to please God. So how do we overcome this dilemma in our life? 
becoming obsessed with what people think about us is the quickest way for us to forget about what God thinks about us. Here's the good news, and this is so powerful. The flip side is true as well. Write this down. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget about what people think about you. Living for an audience of one, saying, God, I want to please you with all that I do. That is the quickest and the best and perhaps the only way to grow past living for the approval of others. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you. And here's the bottom line. When you think about it, you can't please everyone. You can't please everyone. If you try to please people, you're going to fail at some point. If you wear your hair one way, hey, do you like my hair? Yeah, I think that's a great looking hairdo on you. And others will say, no, that's the worst hairdo you've ever had. It makes your face look long. Right? Or do you like this kind of music? Yeah, I like that kind of music. And others go, no, that's the worst kind of music there is. Trying to please one group, you're always going to disappoint another group. If I believe this politically, you like me. If I don't believe this politically, you don't like me. And if I try to stand in the middle, you all hate me. Because if you try to please one group, you're always going to disappoint the other group. No matter how hard you try, you cannot please everyone. But the good news is you can please God. You can. You can please God. You can live the life where God looks at you and says, you did good. You did the right thing. You brought glory to my name. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So how do we overcome living for what everyone else thinks? When we surrender our lives to living for an audience of one. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about us is the quickest way to be set free from what other people think about us. And Joseph is going to have to come to a place in his life where he says, you know what? I value the opinion of God above the opinion of people. Now I know how this is going to play out in our everyday lives. I just want to give you two really big thoughts today to take away, take with you. I want you to write these down. I want you to take them with you, and I want you to think about them throughout the week because I think they'll be so important. And I just want to give you these two thoughts. First, if you're taking notes, this will really speak to many of you. It's so important because when you're living for God, not everybody's going to like it. When you're living for God, not everybody's going to like it. So here it is. Number one, write this down. If you're not ready to be criticized or misunderstood for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. I'm going to say it again because I just have the feeling today that this is going to be very deep for some of you. <laughs> right? If you are not ready to be criticized or misunderstood for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God. 
Think about all the different ways that Mary and Joseph would be criticized. Think about all that they would be misunderstood. I mean, they would be publicly disgraced again and again. People would whisper about them. Hey, 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 you know that's not really Joseph's baby. People will talk. Or they'll say, hey, you know, they said it was by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but you know what? I saw his donkey parked outside of her, con- her, uh, her, yeah, her apartment at 2 in the morning. And they weren't having a Bible study. I can guarantee you that. People will talk, right? Whatever it is, face criticism and misunderstanding. I don't know how this is going to play out in your life, but there's going to come a time when you're reading the word of God or you hear a message and then you hear the voice of God tell you to do something that is culturally unpopular. And if you obey, you're going to be criticized or possibly misunderstood. Perhaps you're here today and you're a teenager or a college student or a young adult and you're wanting to break free out of the party scene. You've had an encounter with God and you know that that doesn't please him. And you want to break out of that. And you say, I'm going to serve Christ I'm not going to go out and party. I'm not going to get drunk, and I'm not going to be doing drugs anymore. So many of your friends are going to mock you. Say, well, why, why, why won't you come out with us? You used to do it all the time. You always used to come out with us. You were the highlight of the party. We would love watching you get drunk. So I'm not doing that anymore. I've, I've turned my life over to Christ. I'm not going to jump in that scene anymore. They said, what, you got too religious for us? Can't hang around us anymore because you got Jesus. When you want to honor God, when you want to please him, you're going to get criticized or misunderstood by others. You might say, you know what? No matter what I did in the past from now on, I'm going to honor God with sexual purity. I'm going to stay abstinent until I'm married. The world's going to look at you and go, what? Are you crazy? That's old school. Nobody thinks that way anymore. Everybody's doing it. Come on. Do you realize what you're missing out on? Come on, somebody. If you loved me, you would. Well, if you really loved me, you wouldn't ask. Take a stand for God, for God's word, for what God has spoken to you. You're going to be criticized. You may think we're, we're planning a, we were planning a family vacation to Disneyland, but we felt called to go and serve the poor on the mission field. People are going to say, why are you spending your money on something like that? Do you know how expensive that is? You're going to waste all that money? And why in the world would you want to put your kids in that environment? Come on, take them to Disneyland. Have some fun in life. People are going to misunderstand, going to criticize you. Maybe you're in a place where you would actually leave a higher-paying job to go to a lower-paying job because you felt like God was calling you to do something with your life that would actually contribute to society And you feel like you could make a difference at this new job, even though the pay wasn't as high. And everyone will say, well, why would you do that? 
why would you turn down all that money? I mean, don't you realize we need money to live on? Are you stupid? And I know people who have chased after money, even left Great Falls and Victory Church to go after money, and now many of them aren't even serving God because money was the issue. They let people convince them that was the most important thing. Maybe you're in a worship service. And you know what God's word says about worship. And the leader invites you to raise your hands, but you suddenly become aware of everyone around you. What will they think? (laughs) I brought a guest today. They might think I'm weird if I get too charismatic. And the opinions of others keep you from being connected with God. For some of you, like last week, you wanted to give your life to Christ and obey him, but you were hindered by the fear of what others think. What if you got religious on your friends? For some of you, you really do care more about what your friends think than what God thinks. And I really believe this. Listen very carefully. The more you do in a quest to obey God, the bigger the difference you want to make with your life and the closer to God you want to walk, the more criticism you'll experience and the more misunderstood you will be. If you want to live a life where no one criticizes you or misunderstands you, then let me tell you what to do. Do nothing. Stand for nothing. And have nothing. Because anything significant you do for God will be met with criticism and misunderstanding. Thought number one, if you are not ready to be criticized or misunderstood for your obedience to God, then you are not ready to be used by God. The second thought today, number two, and this is going to really set some of you free today. Are you ready? Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. (laughs) That's good right there. That that should have got a big hearty amen. Amen. Extraordinary acts of God often begin with ordinary acts of obedience. Think about this. The savior of the world was born when two teenage kids said yes to God in a simple act of obedience. What's crazy is if you try to get into the mind of Mary and Joseph, what did the angel say to them? You're going to have a boy, you're going to name him Jesus, and he will save people. That's it. He didn't give them all the details. He didn't let them know what the full picture was. How are we going to raise him? How are we going to discipline him? I mean, after all, this is the son of God. Do we put him in time out? Maybe he's going to spank us. I don't know. How are we not, not any details, just you're going to have a son. You're going to call him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. And I think there are times when God directs us and we're thinking to ourselves, God, if you just show me the details, I just need to know what, what, what does this mean? God says, 
you can't handle the details. If I showed you everything, you wouldn't take the first step. See, they didn't know the details. And that's why it's so important for us to embrace this. Come on, write this down. This is really good. We don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. We don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You see, we don't have to see the whole picture to put the first puzzle piece in place and trust God with the rest. Because going back to last week, outcome is whose responsibility? Outcome is God's. What's our responsibility? Obedience. Obedience is our responsibility, but outcome is God's responsibility. Extraordinary acts of God often begin with ordinary acts of obedience. This is so encouraging to me. See, you have no idea what you might set in motion with one simple act of obedience toward God. You have no idea what you might set into motion when you simply obey what God puts on your heart. You have no idea what you set in motion when you do what God's called you to do. After my freshman year of college at Lewis Clark State in Lewiston, Idaho, that's where I was born and raised, so I went to college my first year in Lewiston, and after that, I was planning on transferring to Boise State University to pursue an accounting degree. Late that summer, I went to a Jesus musical festival over in Vancouver, Washington, And while I was there, I had an incredible encounter with God. And my life changed. And I felt as though he was changing my plans, and I wasn't supposed to go to Boise State. A lot of people did not understand my decision. But I felt like I was being led to attend a small private Bible school in Kirkland, Washington. I had no idea what God had in mind for my life, but I knew I had to follow him. He didn't show me the details. I had no idea why I was going out here. I just knew I had to follow him. So I packed everything I owned in my 1970 Ford Maverick three on the tree. Come on, somebody. How many of you remember what a three on the tree is? You all are probably too young to remember what a three on the tree was. I drove my 1970 Ford Maverick out to Kirkland, Washington, and it was there that for the first time in my life, I felt a call of God to full-time ministry. See, growing up as a young person, I grew up in the church, but being a pastor was the furthest thing from my mind. If you'd have told me back then that I would be doing what I'm doing today, I'd have said, you're out of your mind. But God called me in that moment. It was there at Northwest College that I met the love of my life. She certainly changed my life. Yeah, come on. I get excited just thinking about it, Mark. Yeah, I do. And it was out of that experience that God called me to the great state of Montana after I had said to my wife, I hope you're not a mama's girl because I will never live in Montana. 
And it's been my privilege now to have pastored a great church in Great Falls for 35 years called Victory. See, I had no idea what that simple act of obedience would open up in my life. So this week, when you go and you invite someone to our Christmas services, you have no idea how their family might become different. You have no idea how generations might be different by a simple Single act of obedience because God put them on your heart. When you feel prompted to serve somewhere in our church, you have no idea the impact that you will have, whose life might be different, and how their life might come back to bless you, how much your life will change. And when you do something for someone else, and suddenly maybe the high point of your week is when you come as an invisible servant and you serve like Jesus did and you find love and joy and fulfillment in doing that. For some of you, you might start to tithe. And one day you'll look back and say, I cannot believe what God did in our lives, in our marriage, in our relationship, in our family, and in our finances when we took a single act of obedience. And I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I've had person after person come up to me after the last couple of months and say, we made the decision to tithe and you won't believe what God has done in our finances, what God's done in our marriage, what God's done in our family through a simple act of obedience. You may be a single guy here today and you see a single girl. God prompts you to get up off your good intentions, to sell your Xbox, to get out of your mom's basement, to iron a shirt, brush your teeth, and ask her out. And one day you're going to get married and have a son and name him Gary. Because God used me to help you get some action in your single life. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? You have no idea what a single act of obedience can set in motion when you obey what God puts on your heart. Because extraordinary acts of God start with ordinary acts of obedience. As we close today, the angel speaks to Joseph and says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is in her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You will give birth to a son And you will call him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Now Joseph's got a choice to make. Does he do what's easy or expected by others? Or does he do what's right? Does he do what people want him to do? Or does he do what God wants him to do? Becoming obsessed with what people think is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about. But by becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to let go of what people think about you. So in one little verse, we see his decision. And what's so encouraging to me about this one little verse is that God is going to prompt many of you to do something through his word or by his spirit. And this one sentence could summarize 
your response. Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. Here was Joseph's response. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. What did he do? He did what the angel had commanded him to do. And through a simple act of obedience, the greatest act of God in human history was brought to fulfillment. You see, you have no idea what you set in motion with a single act of obedience to God. So when God speaks to you, go ahead, wrestle with it. Think through it. What's the easy way? What's, what do people think? What does God think? When everything's said and done, settle the issue in your heart. I care more about what God thinks than I care about what people think. I'm more concerned with God's opinion than I am the, apparent, the, the opinions of others. And then do what the Lord prompts you to do. Can we pray this morning? Father, I ask today that by the power of your spirit, that you would speak to your church. That we would be sensitive to what you would want to say to us. Either directly through your word, through the Holy Spirit. And that we would follow what you call us to do. And be obedient, trusting you with the outcome. But being faithful to you with our obedience. As we take this moment to pray, there may be a lot of you who would recognize, like I do, that I so often battle, not just in the back of my mind, but even in the front of my mind. What are they going to think? Am I going to fit in? Do I measure up? Are they going to like me? Where do I stand? If I do this, what will people think? And I want with all my heart to overcome this fear of what people think and become so obsessed with what God thinks that I'm not moved by the opinions of others. There are those of you who you would recognize I'm often more concerned with what people think than I am about what God thinks. And today I want to be totally and completely transformed. I want to be different. I want to align my life with the heart of God. And I want to be obsessed with his will, his purpose, his kingdom, his plan, his goodness, his direction. I want to live for him, even above the opinions of people. If that's you right now, would you just raise your hand? I want to take this moment to pray for you. Just raise them up high. If you don't want to be moved by the opinions of others, but you really want to be moved by God, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your willingness to respond to him. You can put your hands down. Father, I thank you for the people today that genuinely sense the burden and the responsibility, knowing that it's so easy to surrender to the opinions of people, but God, we want to have the courage to obey you no matter what. God, I pray that as we read your word, as we're in your presence, that your Holy Spirit would build our faith, build our passion, Father, to obey you, 
understanding that we don't have to understand completely to obey you immediately. And Lord, I pray that time and time again, even today, when there would be an opportunity to do wrong or do right, that when you prompt us that we're always going to do the right thing, I pray that we would be sensitive to what your voice would say to lead us, even in doing things that might be uncomfortable, things where people might criticize or misunderstand us, that we would so much rather please you than have people like us. I pray that we would be obsessed with you, that your kingdom would be first in our hearts, that we would obey what you call us to do, and that we would look back at this moment and worship you and thank you, knowing that we had no idea what you would set in motion when we took a simple moment to obey you at your word. Give us the courage to live above the opinions of people and only God for your approval. Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more information about Victory Church or to give online, visit victorychurchgf.com. Have a blessed week.